The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Live from the NASDAQ market side overlooking New York's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Joe Kernan, in for Melissa Lee, our traders on the desk, Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, and Brian Kelly. Guest trader tonight, Strategist Research Partners Technical Analyst, Analysis Head, I should say, Chris Verone on the big show tonight. FedEx shares, I already read this uh, early on, preparing for it, and I love it. Crumbling like wet cardboard. Oh, Who came oh, up with that? Oh, that is credit for that. I know, I know. After the shipper fails to deliver on quarterly results, I'm going to use that tomorrow. Uh, we're going to get more from the trade. Not tell anyone that I've got a plan. Anyway, we have more from the traders and more from the company's conference call later this hour. Then, fire sale. Shares of Nordstrom down almost 10% today. The traders are going to assess the damage. Plus, would you rather Ooh. Home Depot getting a downgrade after Lowe's gets an upgrade? We're going to debate uh, whether those calls nailed it or not. But first, in case you hadn't heard, tomorrow is Fed Day. Steve Leisman lays out the big picture from our CNBC Fed survey. Steve. Wall Street expects the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates tomorrow amid growing concern about economic weakness, recession fears, and the trade war. A hundred percent of respondents to the CNBC Fed survey see the Fed cutting rates by a quarter point after it announces results of its September meeting. Nearly all expect another quarter point cut by year end. The problem is that forecasts for lower rates come with a reduced outlook for U.S. growth and an increased probability of recession. The chance of a recession in the next 12 months soared to an 11-year high of 32 percent, according to the survey. It was below 20 percent for most of last year. Growth is forecast to decline as well to 2.2% this year from 25 in 2018, and it sinks to just 1.8% in 2020. Economist Joel Nauroff writes in response to the survey, quote, a trade war that continues into next spring or summer almost certainly causes a recession that's likely to spread worldwide. Now, not everyone agrees. Richard Sichel, senior investment strategist at the Philadelphia Trust Company, says recession talk has been overdone. Yes, there has been some slowdown in various economic indicators, but the outlook for robust holiday spending is good based on the high level of consumer confidence. That should drive growth and stocks higher. For now, respondents to the survey see very slight gains ahead for stocks, but continued low interest rates. The question is whether Fed rate cuts will be sufficient to offset the negatives from the trade war and global economic weakness. The high level of the stock market amid continued forecasts for ever lower interest rates suggests... The market's betting the Fed is going to win this fight. Back to you. All right. Thank you. Leishman. All right, let's trade it. Uh, we already talked about this, uh, BK. You know, if, yeah. if, if coin was spelled with a K, you could be Bitcoin. Bit, Brian, Bitcoin. I could be. So I was kidding. I hadn't thought about it. I don't know that. if you thought First about time that. First I thought I was no, ever said that. I was kidding. No, 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 no. As you're debasing your currency <laughs> from, from lowering rates in it, you know, with 3.5% unemployment, isn't Bitcoin a way so you can trade it? Or as, gold? Yeah, Bitcoin or gold. And that's what, you're, that's what you're seeing in both of those markets. I mean, I'm... As much as I don't want to see them debase currencies as a Bitcoin holder, I'm happy as can be that they want to do that. So that's certainly one way to play it. But if you think about what the problem the Fed has right now, or one of the problems, is that the yield curve is still very flat. And so they want to get the banks lending again. So that's what I'm going to be watching. You look at the regional banks tomorrow. Look at KRE, which is the regional bank ETF. 
you want to see if that yield curve starts to steepen, that should be positive for the bank. So you would, I would look at KRE, see if you can buy it on a breakout in the afternoon. The other thing I would say, and this is going to be controversial, is that Ooh. I wouldn't be surprised if the Fed cuts rates and the dollar goes higher. Oh! There you go. Boom. Controversial. Well, listen, he's yeah. wacky. You just I, never know what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think right. we put this in context. Let's go back and re-examine how closely this period parallels 94, 95. You had a very aggressive Fed in 94. I think Greenspan raised seven times. You moved to 95. You get a couple surprise cuts in the back half of the year. What led coming out the rate-sensitive cyclicals? I think when you look at the strength we've seen in home builders, the strength we've Banks. semis, the banks. I mean, J.P. Morgan, I would argue one of the most important bellwethers in this market, is at all-time high. So I think we have to respect the message of the market. The wall, the worry is high, whether it's Fed, China, oil, but stocks act well here. Respect that. So, Joe, welcome, by the way. Thank nice you. to have you Thank here. You. Thank you. The, you know, what we've seen in terms of the, uh, the eradication of the momentum trade, whatever that means, I, I don't think that that changes. But to the Fed, um, so if they do a 25 and if they do a, um, you know, a hawkish cut, um, that is something that I don't think this market is positioned for. Remember, the mid-cycle adjustment of the last Fed meeting was something that had the market somewhat perturbed. So um, depending on where you think the Fed is going to line you up in terms of their next move, I, I, I don't think that the markets are ready for that. Um, and what Brian says is ultimately it would lead to a dollar-positive environment. And in fact, look at the dollar. I mean, the dollar closed today. Uh, it's a great chart, and it's not great for a lot of risk assets, but it's great for reflation, and it's great for asset prices. You know, Joe, I think it comes down to the communication coming from the Fed itself. I mean, we've seen this time and time again, and we've had two situations where the communication from Powell was not good, and the markets reacted almost immediately. So is there going to be a quarter-point cut? Well, Leisman's got it at 100%, so apparently there's going to be a cut that's absolutely a quarter. Is that basically priced in? I think it is. But it's the communication, I think, that stands out. Now you look at volatility. Volatility is trading in the 14s. People are not scared right now. And where are they going to protect their portfolios? You brought it up at the very top. Gold and silver. I mean, you are seeing some of that. I know you brought up Bitcoin as well. I'm, I'm not in that world as much. But GLD, <laughs> but GLD has been an absolute home run. I mean, this has yeah. been a move that started in May that has continued. It's pulled back a little bit, but I'd call that almost more of a consolidation move than a huge pullback. Can it can find itself once again to start moving to the upside? Today, at one point, it was back over 142. Silver pushing towards 17. So there's a lot of different things going on and right now. And it's interesting that gold has moved actually with a relatively stronger dollar. I mean, usually yeah. gold has got that inverse, and that's pretty much broke this year. So what we've been seeing is a lot of macro funds hedging out the kind of this central bank risk with both gold and actually Bitcoin as well. But I think when you look at all these macro trades, whether it's long yen or long gold or long German boons or long mid-cap software, it's been all the same trade uh, all year long. What I think is underappreciated is the degree to which the last three, four, five months, some of these cyclical semis in particular, have acted well despite economic concerns. I want to respect that message. Yeah, I I think if you saw how the semis closed, they closed at the highs. And, and, you know, the the oil headlines of the last 48 hours are are, are ones that I think are more of a, you know, kind of a red herring for investors to think this is going to lead to something substantial. I don't even think the Fed needs to acknowledge it tomorrow. I I do think you have a case where it had people kind of gut check some of these trades that have been going on. And and it's into kind of the value side of the cyclical chain. I don't think you're going to kind of early cycle cyclicals in the sense that we actually think the economy is going to pick up. I think you're going after banks who have valuations that are very defensive. And as the yield curve has steepened in the last three weeks, banks have been the best trade. The great thing about the hedge so far, at least so far, in terms of gold and silver has been the velocity of those moves. Because that move has been so dramatic so fast that that in terms of a hedge, 
you don't have a totally you don't have that much risk to the downside, and yet you have these huge, very rapid moves to the upside that are balancing out portfolios, almost like having a put. I mean, right now that's been the put in my portfolio. I don't own any spider puts, even with volatility where it is right now, because the trade has been, and I think it continues to be, the protectional trade is GLD, SLV, and individual names along with the GDX. The lows in yield are in. Does everyone agree with that or not? I, I, well, I don't know about that. I, I'm not sure how you can. I, I don't know if you're positing that, Joe. No, I'm asking. throwing it out there. And, and I, <laughs> I think it's difficult to say that considering where we were and considering the, the lack of confidence the we should have in the The ECB. tenure was never that low in history. Right? Right. Never well, we were 136 was back, back in, in I'm Sorry, the third year was never that low. Right. Um, the third yeah, year. we said, right. And, and look, the market has been extreme in terms of the move on the way down and the stream on the way up. We had three standard deviation moves for, for the bond market or things that you don't really see. Um, to, to say that the fundamentals that took you lower, some of it was technical, but some of this to me was the ECB, was, was Germany, where bond yields were actually bringing us lower. Do you have a lot of confidence in the European banking sector right now? Do you have a lot of confidence in the ECB to engineer uh, you know, some kind of a stimulus package? Think, here? As we're still in a cutting phase from the Fed, I think we will have bottomed in yields before they end cutting. It's already yeah. probably happened, I think. Did, uh, would you buy the banks? I think we've got to leave it go in a no, second. But Gunlock said, buy Deutsche Bank if you think rates are... I just saw a flash. But buy it if I mean, rates I think are that's, headed up. That's well on, out on the, on the risk spectrum. But certainly the ECB has made a point to say we are not going to let the banks deteriorate. And you've seen ra- a rally in Deutsche Bank. I would look at the regions again. And again, if you get any type of steepening in the yield curve, that's going to be very positive for the banks. The most important bank stock in the world is at a 52-week high, J.P. Morgan. They had these things on the ropes a few weeks ago. They should have stopped the fight, and boom, it came right back. You have to respect that message. I'd go with the beta names in the banks, though. Not so much the regionals, because I want the big boys still. I'd go with Bank of America City. I own those. I think you own something in there, maybe both. I'm long J.P. Morgan City. I I am not a J.P. Morgan. I love love what they're doing. I love Jamie Dimon, but I still think that that is at a value level, and the downgrade the other day made sense to me, the fact that they went to neutral. But I look at the other two names, and I think there's much more runway to the upside. This is really easy. Um, isn't it? I mean, for me to do, I was like, you're good, man. You really are. You, you, got it I mean, you guys, it's uh, like having uh, I tell you what, look, at, at some point though, <laughs> I think it's important to really bring in easy. another voice. It's <laughs> really, really, easy. Despite we had a big bull on yesterday <laughs> next to me. Now I think we're going to hear we a have, and we've now. already discussed this next line. I, I have 20 for 25 years. I've refused to say all eyes are on something. Do you think the middle of the country, Mike, eyes are on the fed? No, they're not. So let me just rephrase this. Many eyes are on the Fed. You said some eyes. I said some. I don't think it's as many as many. Uh, I I would say the Fed is is a a key focus for the market. Okay, Okay, that's a better way. All right. Anyway, uh, our next guest says there's something happening in the market we haven't seen since the financial crisis. It could be a sign of the next recession. Morgan Stanley, chief U.S. uh, equity strategist Mike Wilson, who's always in a bad mood. We're back to 3,005. We're back to the high end. I've seen this before. I've talked to you about it before. Next thing I I know you're on a show and I'm going, wow, it's at 2,800. Maybe you're going to, I mean, do you ever waver? You're, you're still talking, well, yet. I mean, talking about 2,700 still on the S&P. We're talking about a range, basically, right? We're, well, talking, we're back to the high end. Correct. Now, here's what's changed, or I think might be changing, Joe. Okay. Last time we, we, we were together uh, on your other show, yes. uh, we were talking about the range and we we're at the low end. Right. And now we're back at the high end. And I know. So what, what's happening? See, now I think you're, you're, you're bad again. Oh, what, I thought you were a genius. I thought he was a genius no, last time he was on. Now I think you're wrong again. I think what's going on is that it's not the Fed as much as it was in July. Now it's about trade. And so we got hope that the trade thing's going right. on. But we really got to go back a year and a half, right? This has been going on now for 18 months, right? People are finally talking about a recession. Right. In the survey you just mentioned earlier, and people are actually mentioning it on shows like this. 
That's been going on for 12 to 18 months. The, the time to make the slowdown call, the recession call, was a year ago. Right? That's why utilities have killed it. That's why bonds have killed it. That's why staples have killed it. Right? That's why defensive growth stocks have killed it. And that trade has basically played out. That's what the momentum crash was all about. Right? We basically priced a recession, for the most part, in August in a lot of these markets. Rates at 143. That could be the low. Okay? Utilities, 1,000 yeah. basis points of relative outperformance in one month. It's extreme. Cyclical is being thrown away. So I don't think it's all going to be in one flush, but this could be what we call a kickoff move, where the market is now starting to think about maybe we're going to have a recession, but we're close enough to the end of this cycle, I can look through it. All right? and that's why they want to buy banks. That's why it's going to be the craziest recession we've ever had if we stay that's under not, 4% for unemployment, though. Well, no, that's not going to happen. Okay? All right, so we're if, headed back to where? Five, if you, six? If you actually have a recession, which it's not a fait accompli, but if you have a recession, unemployment will go back to 5.5%, 6%. But the market typically prices that well in advance. That's what's going on in the last 12 to 18 months. Now, we don't know if we're going to have a full-blown recession. Our call is like a 30 to 40% chance. But if we start to tip over, I think we'll get another growth scare. But we don't necessarily have to go through 2,700 on the downside, yeah. right? It's going to be a rotation. That will be a, that will be a signal to buy all these early cycles. You got it. It's weird when, when suddenly then, then you see the Saudi oil fields, half of them get shut down. Suddenly we get a spike in oil and all these things that you're saying, well, why are we going to have a recession? There's nothing on the forecast. And, it, and then all of a sudden you got a reason, or perhaps a reason, or well, part I, of a reason. I mean, as you know, I mean, when you, get a, you always get an oil spike before the end of the cycle. So this could end up being kind of that final tipping point because it will raise prices for companies like FedEx, who obviously well, we were talking today. about that. Yes. And also, you know, consumers, quite frankly, at the pump. But, but Mike, what do you think about the, the, the breadth of the market? Despite, I, first of all, I, I think your, your caution, and you've been very consistent with this, and I think you've been right to be consistent with it. But to, to the extent that the market over the last three to four weeks has given you the kind of breadth that we've been looking for from this market for a long time, yeah. what, what does that do for you? Well, two things. So first of all, the curve is re-steepening from the back end, very constructive. Okay, some of that's technical, but I have to acknowledge that. The financials working, okay? Some of these other cyclical groups are starting to work. I think that's a good first sign. I don't think it's going to be a straight line up, though, right? Typically, when you, like, if you go back and look at recessions in the past, 1990 or the, or the 2001 recession, very mild, okay? It was a chop. You get months where you think, oh, my God, I got to buy all the cyclicals, and then they give it up again. And it's a chop because unemployment will go up for the next year and a half, two years, if there's a recession. And, and that's, it looks more and more... Like that's where we're headed. I'll next tell you, I'd sign months. on for five and a half, six, if that's the worst we get in the next recession. I'd, I'd take that. I'd, I'd agree to that right But that's now. a typical mild recession. Well, about you mean in terms of the, from the, from the lows and unemployment? That's right. Because five and a half to point? six, almost a couple of years ago, we thought that was full employment. We're close. That's right. And, 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 but that's, so, but that's a typical mild I'm going to give you a chance. <laughs> do you want to make... Do you feel lucky? Do you want to make yeah. 3000 the new low end of your trading range and put 3250 on the high end of your trade? You can do that right now. You can do that right now if you, want. if you want to do that. You can do it. We'll let you do that yeah. now. Well, this is do, like deal or no deal. The SEC might come after me. But look, what I would tell you is that. You don't want to do that. We, we you have still been, got 2700 We have been using 2700 which, by the way, is up from our old base spare case of 2400 a year ago, which we hit in December. So we've been moving our targets higher on the low end. I think it's a little premature to say 3000 isn't still your cap. 3050, okay, the old highs. No, I think it's premature to say 3200 is in sights now because the Fed still is behind the curve. Let's see what they do tomorrow. Let's see what actually happens in October with this trade mini deal. We don't we don't know what's really going on there. And quite frankly, the tariffs that went in in September, they're on. There's been really no discussion about rolling those back. There's been talk about delaying the 5% increase 
And so I think that 10% tariff still has to flow through to the real economy. So you like this show or, or the other? I mean, you, would you rather get up early? <laughs> would you rather question. come up? Well, you, it doesn't you matter. Or, or Joe, huh? I'm on that it's, show. Just, it's me. It's you, really not the show. It doesn't uh, matter which show. It's right. me. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> uh, well thank done. you. Goodbye. Thank you. They're, they're saying that to me. Thank you, Mike Wilson. Uh, hi. Uh, let's go. We got to go. Oh, we're going to trade it. I think we should trade it. Why yeah. not? What, you what, well, you want to start? Well, you always ready. I'll, I'll, I'm not, I've never been shy, Joe. So, <laughs> so look, shy. We, we have a case here where I think the Fed tomorrow has had data over the last 30 days, whether it was the ISM, whether it was the industrial production number that was out this morning, whether it was some of those payroll numbers, that, that is going to the dissension that we've seen within the Fed that came out in the Fed minutes at least. Uh, at, at, this is a Fed that is, I don't think, ready to be proactive. And therefore, for a market in the short term, despite all the positive uh, kind of dynamics with semis finishing on the highs. EM closes above the 50. Everything you wanted to see on terms of risk has snapped back. Uh, I have trouble in terms of my week to two week trading range, seeing that we, you know, we can get much out of our way here. Tim, I think at the end of the day, though, the policy rate in the U.S. is still the highest around the world, right? So when we look at right now money growth, M2 running 8%, nominal growth running 4%, how bearish can you be on risk assets when there's excess money out there to and go into stocks, right? And I'm not. And then I think also let's not discount the stimulative effect of lower bond yields over a 12-month period. Bond yields peaked about a year ago, about 326. We've taken 175 basis points out of yields. There's a stimulative effect to that. I think it's why the surprise data is starting to bottom. I think it's why those cyclicals uh, act better. BK, if it's, uh, I mean, is there a way you can bring some Bitcoin into that? I don't think we can. I, mean, I, listen, I, can, mean, I can bring Bitcoin into a lot of things. I don't think you have to necessarily bring it in tomorrow. I, you know, we're at the high end of the range. So I don't think as an equity investor, do you need to go out and just go 100% into the market at the high end of the range? No, not at all. I think you wait for some kind of pullback. And I think there is the risk, as Pete mentioned, that the Fed kind of has a miscommunication problem. And, and, and the market sells off. And maybe if, you, if you're bullish, then you buy it. And to that point, that's what you're always looking for, right, is those opportunities where we oversell. When we overjump the other day in oil, all of the panic to see oil jump mm. over 20%, at least early in the overnight trading, and then over 10%, Joe, yep. look at how fast it's already retreated back underneath $60. I mean, it's amazing, right? So the speed and the velocity of what we're seeing and all of this rotational stuff is happening so much faster than anybody yep. even can comprehend. There are great opportunities daily in this market. All right, gentlemen, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to uh, coming up Home Depot. You know, there's a lot of boxes at Home Depot that could get wet with the crumbling wet carpet. I, I can't get that out of my that that whole visual is. I love that. Anyway, Home Depot falling on a downgrade. Could this spell trouble for this resilient home retailer? Plus, Chewy and FedEx reporting after the bell. We're going to tell you what's moving those stocks lower and lower after hours. We are live from Times Square in New York City, and there's much more fast money right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Home Depot taking a hit uh, to start the day before climbing back off the lows after analysts at Guggenheim downgraded the retailer to neutral, citing a ramp up in expenses. This comes after Lowe's got an upgrade to outperform yesterday from analysts at Wedbush, the firm uh, pointing to the company's improving execution. So 
who would you rather own, Home Depot or Lowe's? And uh, in disclosure, fair disclosure, actually, my name is K-E-R-N-E-N, uh, not A-N, if you sure no, might. I bet, uh, I bet Ken, they had uh, no idea, Joe. La- yeah, 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 Langone's just, on tomorrow for two hours. Just as love Ken. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be seven to nine. And, and, and I love the Home best. Depot. I, I have to say, I'm long the stock, and I think despite the fact that the, the, the multiple is a little stretched here, and you know, last quarter we got, you know, I guess basically we got some numbers out that pointed that same source sales in the U.S., uh, 3.1 versus 3.2. To, you know, what's the big deal? The margin and the scale that these guys can put to work, um, to me, are, uh, there's, there's nowhere near it. And look, the, Lowe's is great, too. This is a fantastic duopoly that is largely Amazon-proof. So uh, as much as my would-you-rather is in favor of Home Depot, I like them both. Marvin Ellison's done an unbelievable job at Lowe's. He's right. done things that he didn't want to necessarily do, but he closed stores. He's done a lot of things. Margin right now, still in favor of Home Depot. Yep. But when you look at the PEs right now, Home Depot is actually a little bit higher than Lowe's. Yep. So because of that, I think what you've got to look at right now is you look at a Home Depot like, I don't own it right now. I did. I sold it. And the reason I sold it is I think the PE is too high right now. I think that's one of those names, and I said this right at the last break. When you're looking for opportunities, Joe, when we get some sell-offs like we do, and we always do, that's like one of the names. That's a name that's on the top of my list because I'm looking for that opportunity to buy it when it actually gets pushed down for all the wrong reasons. And think about the chart here. HD spent the two last two years between 165 and 220. This breakout's only a few weeks old. Yep. You don't spend two years sideways and then have a two-week rally and it's over. I think this is the start of the next move in that stock. Lowe's is just behind it. On the verge of a breakout, you start to get that above the old highs. You have to right. say, oh, just another bellwether breaking out. I mean, That's the part that concerns me at Lowe's right now, is that we are at the old highs, or roughly near the old highs. So I would much rather wait for a breakout in Lowe's mm. for a longer-term bull run, or buy it on a pullback like Pete said. So I, I wouldn't buy Home Depot here. I'm more looking for Lowe's to prove it to me. What's, what's interesting, if you played Would You Rather two years ago um, for today, you'd actually be right down the middle. These two stocks ha- have actually performed evenly over two years, even though it seems as if Home Depot has actually outperformed. Lowe's has been a slow re-rating story that I, I think is going to continue. Okay. Thanks, guys. I'm Joe Kernan, and you're watching uh, Fast Money on CNBC. Uh, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Coming up, ship shape? We'll get the first word from FedEx's conference call. Plus, the many levels of game maker Zynga and why it's getting a do-over. Fast Money will be back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older. Like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back. Fast Money, we've got an earnings alert on pet supply company Chewy. The stock falling in the after hours. For more, let's head back to headquarters. 
for Chemi on Chewy. <laughs> That's right, Jeff. Eric. Yeah, Chemi on Chewy. So Chewy beating on the top and the bottom lines, but clearly the market was looking for more in just the company's second quarterly earnings report since going public. Chewy's CEO came on CNBC earlier talking about the company's growth in the e-commerce space and riding that macro wave. If you go back three to five years, the online penetration was low single digits. Uh, coming out of this year, it's probably, you know, in the mid-teens. And, uh, you know, if, if, if the research is correct, and I believe it is because we remain bullish on this index, over the next few years, you can see e-commerce penetration getting north of 25 percent, 30 percent. I mean, there are mature categories that are north of 40 percent. So Chewy had to fight off aggressive pricing from Amazon in June and July, but the company is saying it's excited for how it's executing its strategy. The U.S. pet, car, pet care market is estimated at $70 billion, and to that point, Chewy raising its full-year revenue guidance today, and its third-quarter guidance came out higher than the street was expecting. The CEO said he's betting that people would rather order online than lug home heavy bags of dog food over and over again. Back to you, Joe. Hey Eric, you you've been watching the show tonight? Yeah, I've been. I think you're doing a great job. Who do you do you prefer <laughs> me to the, the the host last night? Just curious. <laughs> Schedule wise, for me, it's better if you're hosting. That's very uh, obscure, um, and I think we should probably keep it this, that way. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was well answered. Chemi on Chewy. Good, good, Chemi on Chewy. Hey, yeah. good answer, by the way, Eric. That was very tactful. All right, guys, let's uh, let's let's trade this. Uh, do you have a feeling on, on Chewy? Do you? Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at the chart, the big level has been 29. If you're going to be long, you just have to respect it. It's the line of the sand. I can't be long right. above it. But, you know, when you put this in context of the broader IPO discussion here, we work, right? It's almost the anti-speculation that mm-hmm. we work doesn't come. So it almost looks the opposite of 98, 99. So if you're worried about euphoria at market tops, we work not coming I think argues against euphoria. It's healthy, but but we've had a slate of IPOs that have not done so yeah, well. So Chewy Chewy is is actually done quite well. And, and to be clear, they're in a segment that um, there is enormous loyalty to. But there's there's 450 you know brands out there in terms of pet food on Amazon, and and at this valuation, which is somewhere around 2.2, 2.3 times EV to revs, you know it's expensive. And, and I think that's really what it comes down to for a lot of these names. I like this name because they've got a path to profitability, which we talk about all the time when we bring up Uber and we bring up some of the other competitors. Lyft and the rest. Which ones have a path, which ones don't? Uber does not, Lyft does. I think these guys are on their path as well as they continue to own. Now, let's not forget, you guys talked about the online space. They own 52% of that. I mean, that's against Amazon, against Walmart, against Petco, everybody else. So they are winning, and that's an area that we already know, great profitability. So when they get this thing turned the right way, I think there's a great path to profitability for this company, and then I think it's off to the races. I see this but as a But they have to get to Amazon first, and that's the biggest concern, at least for me. you got to get, get to Amazon. Amazon? Well, well Amazon's it. coming after them, and they're going to be coming after them, and Amazon is price independent. They don't care. They'll lose money on it to gain market share, and that's a problem if you're talking about a public company. When these things were private, you can play that game, but now it's a public company, people aren't going to like the fact that Amazon is trying to eat your lunch. Whether or not Chewy wins in the end, we don't know yet, but at these levels, I think you got to say $73 billion dollar industry. So 
They are massive. winning right I'm now. I'm not arguing the long term. I'm saying if you're competing against Amazon, if I have a choice of all these stocks to buy, do I want to buy stocks that compete against Amazon? Yes. BK's answer I would, is no. Pete's, Pete's answer is yes. Really? Look what Target's done. Look what Walmart's done. Take a look at the companies. Even Kroger. Everybody said they're out Split of business. Oh, they did. Right? Yep. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> but even I mean, Kroger those are very different those stories, though. You're it's, talking about companies that are just getting into e-commerce, not competing head-to-head on e-commerce, and not having Amazon saying, hey, by the way, we're going to undercut your prices. So the reason why Target and Walmart went up is because they had no e-commerce presence, and then they had this massive growth. Chewy has e-commerce promise. That's what they are. Come on, man. You You're know, up. Pete, you know what stock was on the relative low list today was Amazon. Walmart was on the relative. And they're going to go lower because all they do is everything that Amazon does has zero margin except one thing, AWS. Everything else is a low margin business. They try to attack everybody and they've been losing, 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 losing. But they still attack. I'm not arguing to buy Amazon, by the way. I I can take you both on. But I mean, I I think (laughs) I'd actually agree with what you're saying. Target and Walmart have been great stocks to own in this environment. There's no question that you've actually seen a revaluation. Um, I I don't think you want to compete with Amazon. You can't argue that Amazon hasn't crushed the competition and and worried about profitability later and been rewarded for it. So I think in this environment, that's what worries me about Chewy. Um, but I, I, December 10th, uh, you have an expiration lockup coming out in the stock, too. Something else you should be okay. thinking about. That's so you did the big the, issue. You did do. the BK says this, and you did the Pete likes this. Do You're darn right. Yeah. We're in third place. We, we do this, this all, all the time. I learned Jimmy, Jimmy doesn't like that. Jimmy doesn't yeah. like that. No, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy uh, Seinfeld. I don't, Joe doesn't. Uh, we don't like that. You like Does Chris like that? Uh, Seinfeld's uh, going to Netflix, right? Yeah, going to Netflix. Exactly. All right. Chewy not the only one reporting uh, after the bell. The FedEx call is underway, and as we've pointed out, that stock is sinking like wet cardboard after hours. We're going to bring you the highlights, plus the retail route taking down the group's biggest names. Is this a sign that consumer pressure could spell trouble for the overall market? Much more fast money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the XRT retail ETF falling today as investors worry that the recent surge in gas prices could hit consumers where it hurts. And take a look at uh, Nordstrom's, Macy's, Kohl's, some of the biggest losers in the sector today. Really? That's just all? I mean, it, it just occurred to everyone that isn't it? Too, what, what's today? That's, 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 a, one brain cell, that's a one brain cell trade, Joe. Yeah. And, and uh, you've got more than one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bottom line here is that is that, that trade is definitely, uh, I don't think the reason you're seeing Nordstrom's trade off 9%. You're seeing, actually, you've seen a nice snap back in a lot of the names. The department store space is, is clearly got secular issues. So um, mm-hmm. to me, if you want to see, you know, some of this is... Uh, First of all, the, the impact of oil on the retail sector in the short to medium term, I think, is inconsequential. Hmm. Um, when you're looking at these names, they are coming out of an, an enormous rally. What outperformed everything in the last three weeks? It's retail. This I'm not out. impressed with a lot of those names. And the reason I'm not is they still got to show us the money, so to speak. I mean, they've got to show us that they actually can survive in this market, which we haven't seen yet, Joe. But what names are actually up today, even with the XRT and all these names going down? TJ Maxx, Lululemon, some of the various names that we like. Many of us on the desk like some of these names, but it's because they're in the right spot. They have the right CEO. They have a right strategy. They've got great in e-commerce, and they are competing. And some of those names that you saw up there when you listed the names that specifically were getting hammered today, they don't have that. And that's the problem. I'm on the same page here. This is not about crude. This is about what happens to weak charts in yes. weak technical setups. Mm-hmm. They rally and they fail at downward sloping 200-day moving average. That's yep. what happened with Nordstrom, with Macy's, with HBI. It rallied 40%. I'm just looking yeah. in, in 19 sessions. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, that's You squeeze that's the shorts you and you fade in that squeeze resistance. The you look at the strong technical setups, Lulu, 
Nike, Walmart, Target, TJX, they trade great. So there's a clear differentiation between good charts and bad charts. Yeah, I mean, Lulu's the, the retail name for me. That's the one that I think has the best opportunity. Not only do they have the growth, but they've got the right product at the right time. And so that one's doing quite well. The idea that retailers trade down on oil is just completely suspect. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you said, oh, Nordstrom was up today because oil was down? That's absurd. Crazy. It's you're crazy. Speak, it doesn't happen. To me. He's got Joe, a you're rocking some, you're rocking some money. Look at Mr. Lulu. Oh, you're speaking to me. I even got the new kind with the, like a new fabric, and they're even more comfortable. They're really nice. The, really? They are and, super I mean, nice. what kind of company actually calls something ABC pants? Yeah. And, and, and they'll tell you what that stands for. Yeah. Which, I mean, that just takes has they, has they, a lot. the they B ABC to even something about them. I wear them. They're comfy. And I even got a little zipper where my wallet goes. <laughs> I mean, it got it all. Up next, uh, insight uh, from the FedEx conference call now underway. Plus, uh, option traders going all in one. Casino stock, really? We're going to break uh, down the action. Don't go anywhere. Much more fast money right here from all of us very comfortable in our pants. Uh, men. Delivering Alpha, the most important investor summit, nine years running. Strategy from leading alpha generators. Direct access to policymakers and government leaders. On September 19th, see who's calling the shots now. Go to DeliveringAlpha.com to attend this year's Blockbuster event. You will come away with ideas that you can put to work immediately. Plus, special guest Vice President Mike Pence talks economy and trade war impact. Reserve your spot now at DeliveringAlpha.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. As we mentioned... FedEx sinking after hours. Uh, it is now down almost 10 percent. Its earning call, earnings call is underway. Frank Holland is at headquarters with more. And Kramer this morning said, this is what to watch today, FedEx. And uh, I don't want to watch it, Frank. It's making me queasy. Hey, Joe, certainly a lot, a lot to watch here. FedEx shares falling sharply after reported a miss on the top and the bottom line, as well as weak guidance for the full year. CEO Fred Smith saying performance continues to be negatively impacted by trade tensions. As you mentioned, the call starting just minutes ago. Beginning in the fall of 2018, it had become clear that global, global trade disputes were adversely affecting manufacturing in Europe and Asia thereby slowing international shipping demand. So trade a big concern. FedEx also admitting that ending its contract with Amazon for ground delivery will hurt EPS this year. Last quarter, it said that ending the Amazon contract for express air delivery would also hurt EPS. After the bell yesterday, FedEx announced no surcharges for holiday home delivery this season and rate increases for home delivery and freight delivery starting in January. It's part of the company's plan to focus more on domestic e-commerce. Today, the company saying it's dealing with increased costs for its ground business as part of that plan. Certainly not a shock there. So Amit Marod of Deutsche Bank downgrading FedEx just a short time ago after the earnings were released. And also we're looking at UPS. Those shares trading lower. The two companies with very similar businesses, but very different 2019s. UPS up more than 20 percent year to date. FedEx down 2 percent year to date. Christian Weatherby of City saying today's drop for UPS is a direct result of FedEx's weakness. Back over to you. Uh, thank you, Frank. Well, Chris thinks that despite FedEx, the transports are about to rev, rev up. Uh, he's at the plasma to break it down. That's not 
That's a contrarian uh, notion, I think, Chris, is it not? I think it is a contrarian notion, and you know, certainly FedEx down 10% uh, after hours. I want to remember this 150, 55, 56 level. We'll talk about that uh, in a minute. But the bigger question is, is there a read from what FedEx just told us about the broader transportation group? And I want to show you a couple charts here that I think are important. This is the transports, Dow Transports, uh, still below the highs from 2018. But what is already breaking out is the transportation advanced decline line. So if we took a cumulative sum of all the shares, that has actually already made new highs. So breath under the surface for the transports is actually pretty good. We also see that with the number of transports making one-month highs. You had almost 75% of transportation stocks make a one-month high over the last several days. So, again, you see that expansion in new highs, the AD line making new highs. The breadth under the surface for this group is better than it gets credit for. Now, we see FedEx certainly down uh, after hours. I think the big test for this one, if we're going to view this as a bellwether, can it respect that 150 level that's provided support three or four times now over the course of the last 12 months. going to be a very important level there. But what I want to focus on from the long side is UPS. This is a better chart. It's already started to come out of its downtrend. You had a pretty severe bear market here over the last two years. We've started to see that reverse 50-day back above the 200. I think any pullback in UPS is probably one you want to buy. And if you look at some of the rails here, which corrected over the last number of weeks. Kansas City Southern, I actually think, is coming back. This is KSU uh, over the longer term, has broken out of this really big base. And if we took this back longer, 10, 15, 20 years, it just came out of a very huge base. So we like the message from KSU breaking out. UPS, a leader in that space, breath within the transports, better than people give it credit for. FedEx is the outlier. We've got to see if there's a read. But I think overall, you want to be long transports here, and it's certainly a contrarian call. Chris, come back over here because that, I mean, that is an important call. If you're right about this, your whole worldview should change a little bit. And Mike Wilson should have gone from 3,000 <laughs> on the low end. Mike? No, I mean, but if you're right about if you're right about transports, that yeah. that does not indicate a recession. Well, yeah, and, and, and the, the overall market, if you believe Dow theory at all, the overall market eventually catches up with the transports. And we think of Dow theory in two respects. There's old Dow, there's old Dow theory with yeah. transports, and there's new Dow theory with the semis, right? And we have the transports improving under the surface, and the semis already there. So I'm reluctant to get too bearish here. Well, I, I would just say this. Let's not let FedEx... Um avoid all the blame for this number. FedEx basically just talked about the global economy. FedEx has had a lot of issues that they brought upon themselves. This is actually, Deutsche's note says this. A lot of people are saying this. I would say this. I think Fred Smith is fantastic. I actually said to buy the stock at 155, which is basically where it's traded back to. So I kind of like the trough valuation, but their CapEx is unending. They bought aircraft at the peak. They haven't really integrated Express uh, as well as people expected. I think, you know, so this speaks to Chris's point. FedEx's problems might just be FedEx right now, even though we know the world isn't a great place, but it doesn't mean it's a disaster. And I think they are FedEx problems, and obviously UPS outperformance says a lot about that. But let's not forget, this stock made a 20-plus dollar move just since September. Yep. So, I mean, the fact that it's pulling back and their guidance was weak, and like you said, some of the integration's just not going well, I think that is much more of a FedEx problem than a UPS, than the rest of the trend. The beta on that stock after it reports is, is crazy. Right. For, for years right. and years and yep. years. Every quarter, yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about what the problem with FedEx is, it's Europe, it's Asia, it's the trade war. What doesn't necessarily Amazon have that trade too. war, it's the rails, right. right? And if you're going to have supply chains come back to the U.S., the rails in the longer run might benefit from that. All right. 
We gotta go again. Uh, yeah. You, know, we you do. guys know yeah, this is kind of an, an hour-long show. So <laughs> I mean, it's not three. I think you could do three in your pay. sleep, Seymour. Anyway, coming up, uh, one option <laughs> trader you. just made a more than four million dollar bet that one casino stock is about to hit the jackpot. We break down all the action. Plus, take a look uh, at our Kramer Cam. Jim's talking to the Adobe CEO after the company's earnings today. Uh, that full interview is at the top of the hour on Mad Money. We're live at the Nasdaq Times Square. Much more Fast Money is straight ahead. And welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a news alert on the flavored e-cigarette ban. Let's go to Aditi Roy with those details. Aditi. It is official, Joe. Governor Cuomo just announced that New York has implemented the first-in-the-nation ban on flavored e-cigarettes. Uh, this includes all flavored e-cigarettes except for menthol. The state will be evaluating whether or not to include menthol in the, ba- uh, in the ban over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the governor said in a statement, New York is not waiting for the federal government to act, and by banning flavored e-cigarettes, we are safeguarding the public health and help helping prevent countless young people from forming costly, unhealthy, and potentially deadly lifelong habits. And to that, Juul, the leading e-cigarette manufacturer, also has a statement saying, we strongly agree with the need for aggressive category-wide action on flavored products. That's why we already stopped selling our non-tobacco, non-menthol-based Juul pods to traditional retail stores, are fighting against counterfeit and compatible products made with unknown ingredients under unknown manufacturing standards, and will fully comply with local laws and the final FDA policy when effective. Uh, it's been a tough week for e-cigarette manufacturers like Jewel California yesterday just announced that it would be cracking down on counterfeit products uh, as well as requiring certain warning labels on those types of products. Uh, So we will see what other states follow suit. Altria shares, of course, Altria having a vested interest in Jewel there. Uh, They are flat right now. Back to you guys. All right, Aditi. Uh, Thank you. Can we just First of all, just say probably oxygen's the best thing to, to put in. Are there other things that you should be? I mean, is this a hard thing to, to come to grips with for you, Tim? Well, in, it's it's going to be hard for Philip Morris to, I mean, for Altria, excuse me. To but come in to general, grips with. don't you think that's good advice for our youth? I think you shouldn't encourage someone to go out and start vaping. put other stuff um, in. I, I, I think How do you trade the, it? The whole all idea right. of e cigarettes, well, you're. You're asking me how to trade it, now you're asking me whether I'm talking to I'm just saying you only got one set of lungs, don't you? I totally agree. And, in fact, the concept of e-cigs was supposed to be helping people who are smoking get off uh, the the destruction of their lungs. But but clearly, the detrimental effects, the deleterious effects, the FDA's got a lot of work to do. And I think this cloud, this vapor, uh, hangs over this entire sector. Think about the the $12.8 billion they spent on 35% uh, of of Juul, and, and that doesn't look like a good purchase right now. Now. So you're going to see uh, the, the, the other attorney generals come out, uh, all the state attorney generals, and have a view on this. And right now it's a headline that's very difficult. BK? Yeah, I wouldn't buy Philip Morris at all, or Altria, sorry, on this. I, I think they've got a lot more problems. You've got 49, 48 other states that are likely going to come right behind this. And, and I'm with you. Say no to smoking. Yeah. Right? I think I, I look at Nigerian, and do you have any vices? I mean, you wouldn't put anything in your lungs. Oh, I like tequila a little bit. But, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you know, well, what? I'm just all you don't all look like you. I'm not smoking a lot of. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a vice, yeah. it, it, yeah. sure sure it's a vice, a vice either, pal. But yeah, let's like see it. if we can find someone who has a lot of vices. Uh, is Coco around? Coco. <laughs> Moving. Uh, check out the chart of Las Vegas Sands. That's one heck of a roller coaster ride. But one trader in the options market is placing a four million dollar. I bet the casino stock could finally be ready to cash in on some gains. I see a little 
little vapor uh, around you, Mike. What did you just uh, hide that? Slide a deal. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Mike Co. Well, he's in San Francisco. I mean, Co- Mike Co. He's in San Francisco with options accident. T-Bow. T-Bow. <laughs> Yeah, so Las Vegas Sands, very early today, we saw about four times the average daily call volume, and that volume was mostly the result of one very large trade, the January 60s. Somebody paid $3.20 for 13,000 of those. That represents 1.3 million shares of Las Vegas Sands. And despite today's weakness, the buyer of those calls is making a bullish bet because we saw that this was an opening trade, that Las Vegas Sands is going to be above that $60 strike by the 320 that they paid. That would be an increase of at least 8.5% just to break even from the price where the stock was at the time of the trade. So this is somebody who's betting on a pretty good bounce after we've seen a little bit of weakness in Las Vegas Sands recently. All right, Mike, uh, let's trade it. What do you guys think? We had MGM call buying today, so I bought some of those. We had Las Vegas Sands that Mike's just talking about right now hitting multiple times. I bought the stock there because I, I believe in it right now. And I'm seeing win. We've had a lot of paper in there as well. So I've probably overexposed with those three stocks right now. That 60-61 level is huge. This is a stock that's failed at lower highs for the better part of the last four or five months. I think if we're going to escape that vacuum, you've got to get above 61. There's probably a read on Hong Kong here when you put this in context of MGM, of wind. Well, there's some so, relief there, right? Yeah, so um, but if that's sustainable, the stock has to respond. I, I, I think Macau, though, and some of those, uh, some of those gross gaming revenues are, are things that have really not shown any sign of turning around in the short to medium term, despite the fact that Hong Kong as a, uh, there's been relief in the short run. So I, I like when, and I certainly think it's a trade war stock, but I don't, I'm not sure where we are with the trade war. So I, I stay solid. Yeah, it's interesting on this trade, too, because 8.5% would get you pretty darn close to those recent highs or maybe even just below those highs that we've had before. So I think in terms of risk-reward, this is probably the way to play it if you want to be long. Okay. Thank you, uh, guys. For more Options Action, catch the full show Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Up next, final trade. <laughs> It's time for the final trade. We're going to go around the horn, and I've got exactly one minute. I mean it. Pete. i got to tell you something. I love T-Bone or Coco, but i got to tell you, Las Vegas Sands, giddy up. I think it's going on. Tim. Big conversation about banks, whether it is a steepening yield curve or whether it's really just valuations that make sense and are defensive, even in an environment where we may be running into some headwinds. BAC is how you get it done. I'm Long Banks here as well. We talked about JPM last week. The stock has broken out. Any pullback, I think you want to be long the stock. And rates are headed up, and that'll help, right? I think they're probably bottom Are here. rates headed up? I think the, the economy's turned up. Headed up. Transports are turning up. Long JPM. All right, BK. You know, I mean, since I have Bitcoin Joe here, I should say buy Bitcoin, but I'm on the bank train too. KRE if the yield curve steepens. Oh, boy. Great to have you tonight, Joe. Good to now be you're here. good. We had a good group. I like the I've never seen better. Of market. Guy had some uh, issues. I hope he's he okay did. with uh, some car issues, issues, but we got to go. That does it. Uh, for us here uh, on Fast, see you back here tomorrow, uh, someone at 5. Mad Money with Jim is now. <laughs> this podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.